Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Friday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And this time around, it's actually the latest from Philadelphia as the Braves, after ending a 5-1 homestand, on a disappointing note on Wednesday with a lackluster offensive performance. You know, the hope was was that the Braves would be able to bounce back on the road in Philadelphia. They were going to be facing the same pitching matchups in last night's game and tonight's game that they saw last weekend in Atlanta when they swept the Phillies. So the Braves had to feel good about their chances to bounce back a bit after Wednesday's disappointing loss. But unfortunately... That was not to be the case. Max Freed was pretty good in his outing. Not as dominant as we've seen him before. He went into he ran into a bit of bad luck, and, and I'll just be honest, it was also some bad umpiring. Now, won't complain too much about it because the lack of consistent or just to be honest, lack of good umpiring in general impacted both the Braves and the Phillies negatively. But the point is, is that Max Freed, you know, despite running into those two things, overall was pretty good. 67 strikes on 100 pitches. Um, he, or excuse me, 67 strikes on uh, 107 pitches. Eight strikeouts overall. Only five hits allowed. One, one walk. And just like I say, just small ball led to the only run of the game in the second inning. But make no mistake, Max Freed did more than enough. He did his part and pitching well enough to give the Braves the opportunity to win. And the bullpen, led by Dylan Lee and A.J. Minter, they also did their job to put the Braves in a position to win. So for the second straight game, the Braves got the production that they needed from their arms to have the chance to you know, get a you know, deciding victory, to get a clear victory. In, in most cases, 90% of the time, when the Braves have gotten the pitching performances that they've gotten over the past two games, this season, they've won, and a lot of times won in convincing fashion. But the fact that they didn't win either of these games is what is a bit concerning. Because on Wednesday, when the Braves were up 2 to nothing, they wound up giving up the lead as the Nationals went up 3-2, to two, and they wound up losing. We know the Braves have struggled during day games and during series finales. Those things happen. That was an acceptable explanation 
for Wednesday's performance, for ending the homestand with a disappointing loss in the game that the Braves clearly could have won. But then you come into Thursday, and the Braves' offense actually has an even worse offensive performance. Now, I think it becomes acceptable to start thinking, okay, you know, this this is not the best time to have, you know, two straight games with this bad of an offensive performance. And that's what's a bit concerning. And we'll get into in a second why this has been, you know, pretty consistent, why the Braves are running into these offensive struggles more often than not. Now, if there's another encouraging sign from this game, and there weren't many, obviously, there's typically not when you lose one to nothing. Max Reed's performance was good to see, but of what little offense the Braves produced, much of it came off the bat of Austin Riley and Matt Olson on the night. In three, on the night, Matt Olson and Austin Riley were four for six at the plate, with Austin Riley getting the lone extra base hit for the Braves with the double. But Olson also had a walk as well. And the big thing is, is that between both of them, zero strikeouts. So we had there was a game earlier this week against Washington in which both Matt Olson and Austin Riley were a significant part of the offense. So that's encouraging to see. The Braves need as many games in a row as possible where Austin Riley and Matt Olson are a significant part of the offense. But the rest of the offense has to get going as well. The Braves' offensive struggles, though it's only been a short time frame, it's been a clear decline over the past two weeks from the usual output that we see from the Braves' offense, and that's what's noticeable. And unfortunately, that's what's getting in the way for the Braves not being able to take advantage of opportunities that they've had to either get even with the Mets or maybe even be ahead in the National League East. So the hope is that the offense will continue, will at some point get going. But it's clear that right now, throughout the entire lineup, things are just not clicking for Atlanta as they have for much of this season. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All around Thursday was not the best of days on the field or off the field for the Braves. Obviously, the performance on the field was not fun to see, but also right before the game, or at least within you know the, an hour or so before the game, it was reported that Ronald Acuna Jr., who was, a, who was originally in the starting lineup for the Braves, he was scratched due to back tightness. It appears that this is nothing more than the Braves just being precautionary, as they have every right to be with Acuna in the year that he's returned back from his knee injury. But he was out of the lineup with back tightness. It'll be interesting to see you know, how long that may keep him out. It, it, it could be something as small as he's back in the lineup for tonight's game. It may be something where the Braves decide, you know, hey, a few extra days off may work. Obviously, the Braves offense needs him back as soon as possible, but that will be a very interesting narrative to watch over the weekend. The Braves obviously taking the precaution to make sure that he's as good as possible for when he does play next, but it'll be interesting to see how quickly he 
can get back into the Braves lineup. The other significant news from Thursday was the fact that the Braves also placed right-hander Mike Soroka on the injured list with elbow soreness. Now, on the surface, especially with the unfortunate injury luck that Mike Soroka has had over the past two years, this may seem to be a bit concerning. However, this also is likely more of a precaution-type move that the Braves are making with Soroka. They did x-rays on the elbow. There was no structural damage. It's not... It's logical that the that Soroka probably would experience some type of soreness, what have you, in his elbow as he's come back to pitch. You know, at a, at a high level in terms of what he, you know, he's been comp- pitching in competitive baseball over the past six weeks for the first time in nearly two years on a consistent basis. So, yeah, having a bit of elbow soreness probably is a logical result of him ramping up his activity as he's tried to get back to the majors this season. He's had some decent results in his rehab starts, maybe more of a mixed bag over the past few weeks, but it seems that while the Braves are putting him on the injured list and that ends his 2022 season, it's just a matter of precaution. You have to be satisfied with the fact that he's at least been able to take on the workload that he has in the minors. And now the full focus for Soroka and the Braves is doing the best that they can to get him as healthy and ready as possible to hopefully be an option for the rotation for the 2023 season. So not the best end to the season of all possible outcomes for Mike Soroka, but I, if every indication right now seems to show that this may just be more of the Braves, you know, playing it safe with Soroka than it is there being, you know, legitimate concerns that there could be an arm injury that extends into the offseason. So, Ronald Acuna Jr. will be interesting to see when he comes back. Hopefully, it's just him maybe out of the lineup just last night. Maybe he's back in there today, but hopefully he'll be back um, and, and good and ready to go uh, here in the, over the next couple of games. And, of course, Mike Soroka now fully focused on 2023. Hopefully, he'll be able to get a clean bill of health and get into a normal routine as he approaches the offseason. But one thing that definitely needs to change when it comes to approach is the Braves' approach right now offensively. That's just what it comes down to. I know I talked a bit about it in the uh, first segment, but that is what is really standing out. Now, one thing that needs to be understood is that the Braves' struggles offensively, the reason why it seems like every night the Braves and Mets are having the same result when it comes to the outcome of their games is because the Mets themselves are struggling offensively. But look at it this way. Over the past two weeks, the Braves are 28th in the majors in ISO, 23rd in OPS, 24th in WOBA, and 24th in WRC+. So whatever measure offensively, whatever offensive metric you place value in, the Braves are either in the bottom third of the league or they're one of the five worst offensive teams in the majors over the past two weeks. Furthermore, they have the fifth worst strikeout percentage in the majors as well. So we're getting back to, you know, before June, when the Braves were struggling outside of, you know, Dansby Swanson for much of May. We're getting back to, to, to you know, late April, early May, where the Braves were striking out, you know, nearly more than any team in the majors, and they weren't making up for it anywhere else. 
The biggest thing that stands out to me is the 28th in ISO over the past two weeks. The Braves are just not hitting the ball with power right now. We've talked about the fact that the top of the order, the top four of the order, have really struggled since August 1st. And as a matter of fact, they, they've been one of the worst top half of the order producing teams in the month of September. Now, they've gotten a bit better. You know, as Ronald Acuna Jr. had a great homestand, again, we're starting to see a little bit more life out of Austin Riley and Matt Olson. So they're hopefully starting to round into form. But the other thing that stands out is this is that over this two-week stretch where the Braves have struggled so badly, the bottom of the order, their production is at the back half of the top 10 of all bottom bottom of the orders in the majors. Now, I know I'm getting really specific when I talk about that, but the point that I'm getting at is, is that one thing that had helped the Braves continue to win at a high pace without their best bats performing at the level that they're expected to was the fact that the bottom of the Braves order has been so productive. Travis Starno, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grissom, Robbie Grossman at times, Eddie Rosario at times. The Braves bottom of the order has kind of carried the Braves offense over the past several weeks, waiting for the top of the order to get going. But the fact that that bottom of the order is not performing like the best bottom of the order in the majors the fact that that's the case is what is making this offense struggle. So hopefully if Austin Riley and Matt Olson are starting to show, you know, a bit of life in their bats, that's what will get this offense going. But the clear thing that stands out, and they've faced some decent pitching over the past few weeks. And yes, they still are winning at a pretty good rate. But the Braves' offense being a bottom five offense in terms of power output, in terms of ISO, over the past two weeks for an offense that thrives so much and, to be honest, relies so much on power, this is definitely not the most opportune time for the Braves to be struggling when it comes to the power department. Hopefully, that gets back going on Friday night. Now, it's not going to be easy. As the Braves will be facing one of the best pitchers this year in the National League in Aaron Nola, but, as I mentioned before, it's obviously a pitcher that they know very well. And it's someone that the Braves have had some good success against compared to other teams in the majors. The Braves have had pretty decent success against um, Aaron Nola over the past few years, to be honest. They did it just last Saturday when Aaron Nola faced off against Jake Odorizzi, the pitching matchup that will take place tonight. Odorizzi was the better pitcher. That's why the Braves won. But the Braves' offense, especially when it comes to power, they have to get going. Because with the as easy as the Mets' schedule remains until the Braves and the Mets face off later on this month in September, the Braves performing where they are right now offensively just is not going to get the job done if the Braves have aspirations to win the NL East. So the Braves have got to get it going offensively. Again, there are signs that some of their better bats may be starting to work their way out of slumps, but hopefully they will be able, the Braves offense in general will be able to get some life going in it once again sooner rather than later. 
Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. You can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com and at BatteryPowerSBN across all forms of social media. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Thank you so much. Hopefully when we talk again, the Braves offense will have been able to put out some better output, and the Braves themselves will find them will find themselves in the midst of another winning streak. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.